Want to learn how to see and share Jesus from all the scripture? Learn with us at the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. I'm Nate Aiken. I'm joined again this week with John Aiken and Josh Redberg. We're working our way through the book of Hebrews, learning how Jesus is better than all things and also how to interpret the Old Testament in a Christ centered way. Uh, again, before we jump in, February 24th, a Saturday, uh, we will be having another one-day conference, and it will be on the Book of Hebrews uh, location just south of Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, John, Josh, and I will all be speaking at this conference along with some other brothers, and we'd love for you to join us. You can learn more about it or register at our uh, website, ChristCenteredAndClear.com. Uh, last week, we took a closer look at what it means for Jesus to be our high, our great high priest in Hebrews 5, 1 through 10. Uh, we're going to wrap that up today, looking at the importance of growing in spiritual maturity and the danger of becoming stagnant in our journey with Christ uh, as we finish up chapter 5 and look at a few verses in, in chapter 6. Uh, and so let's just let's just jump in. Uh, John, I'll, I'll come to you first. What does the author mean by saying those uh, listening to his letter have become dull of hearing? Uh, that's uh, chapter uh, 6 and verse 1. Well, I mean, the, the issue here, obviously, as we know, this pastor is writing this letter, whoever it is, uh, to believers who are um, in danger of, apparently, because of persecution or whatever, uh, forsaking the faith and not persevering and, and you know, going, going onward. Um, and so he's, he's talking about the fact that they, um, this, the, the truths of, you know, the Bible, the truths that they've been taught about Christianity are no longer having impact on their lives. Um, and, and so because of that, again, they're, 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 um, wavering. And so this is another one of those, he's given us some teaching about the high priesthood and, and Jesus and all that. And so then it goes from that teaching to practical application of what this means for their lives. Um, and it's it's going to be an urging them on to maturity. Mm. Josh, how does the dullness of hearing impact the ability uh, to teach sound doctrine? Well, I don't think we can teach what we don't first know, right? It's um, it's this just natural process. I think he's he's embedding this teaching in in sort of illustrations that we all understand. Um, anyone who has grown up at all, certainly anyone who's who's been a parent would understand that the terminology is using. You you have to teach your kids something. They have to they have to practice it. He'll go on later and talk about being trained to distinguish. In other words, there's got to be this process by which having received instruction, they start to apply the instruction. And as they get better at an at, at applying it, then eventually they're able to teach it, right? Like th- this is sort of a process. You see this even in things like education. So anyone who, who went to, uh, to college for, uh, to be a teacher, th- there's this process by which they learn, then they, they, they eventually, once they have enough mastery of a subject, they're, they're, they're teaching, but they're teaching under supervision. And eventually then they go out and teach. And hopefully that fourth step is they then begin to teach others how to teach. And so I think he's just saying, you should, <laughs> you should be further along in this four-step process. Like you should be at least teaching, if not teaching others to teach. Instead, you're actually stuck really on step one, which mm. is you're receiving. But the reality is you're not really even receiving it, which is why you're stuck on 
on step number one, you're, you're dull of hearing. It's you're the kid in the back of the classroom who's, you know, who's shooting spit wads instead <laughs> of, you know, instead of, uh, you know, being the one who's, who's up front leading. Um, to, to pull in a really bad analogy, those who grew up in our generation remember Billy Madison, which was this adult in body, childish as a kid, goes back to school, right? And it was, it was so stupid because he was so stupid. Like a 35-year-old guy shouldn't be sitting in a classroom with, with, with uh, first graders. That was the, the, the conceit of it, like just how ridiculous and stupid this is. It's always what he's saying here is like, that's you, you're, you know, you're, you're just doing, you're, you're just, you're not doing what you're supposed to be. You're, you're, you're not receiving it. So you should be teaching. You're not teaching. Yeah. I think if like, for example, uh, you know, I've got a younger son and so coaching sports teams, um, all the time, one of the things that you'll have to do from time to time in these younger leagues is stop the game and tie the kid's shoe. Cause he, cause they're, they're just learning to tie their shoes. But then eventually they're going to they're going to grow up and they're going to become adults and they're going to teach their kids to tie their shoes. Um, but he's saying he's like back to like, y'all don't even know how to tie your shoes yet. This mm. is ridiculous. Didn't think we'd get a Billy Madison reference today. But o- O'Doyle rules. Probably shouldn't so, have either. Uh, <laughs> well, the fact that I know quotes from that movie. Um, John, we in that vein, so you've started to hit on this a little bit, but the author starts to use language of milk versus solid foods. It doesn't seem like he's even saying that milk is a bad thing, but he is communicating an expectation that at some point, or at least there's a disappointment that his audience is still on milk. What What is he, what's taking place there in verses 12 and 13 uh, that'd be important for us to take away? Well, I think, so So this idea, uh, to use the education analogy that Josh has already brought to us, um, it, it's progressing from the ABCs, right, to sentences and then to uh, paragraphs and then to chapters and, and so forth. Like, you've, you've got to be able to progress. Um, and they've forgotten the milk. And, it, and it's instructive, again, because if we think about the circumstance that they're in, this really is, although in American Western Christianity, we don't do this. Um, Paul, when he planted churches in the first missionary journey and was going back through and instructing them about basic discipleship, just so maybe we call it the milk, says through, through many tribulations, you will enter the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, for whatever reason, these tribulations are causing them to, to wonder if Christ is worth it, if they should go back to the old covenant. Um, and he's just like, guys, y'all, y'all really should have progressed past this point. So I think. Um, and I don't think it's, and I don't know, and, and I'd love to hear Josh's thoughts on this. I don't know that, that milk is like the ABCs and then meat is like this is super progressive, like learning about super lapsarianism or something like that. I, I think it's more about being able to take the truths of the gospel, apply them to your own life, and then be able to uh, pass them on to other people as you disciple them. Yeah, I agree. I think the the phrase that he's talking about is um, trained to distinguish between good and evil. So again, that's not necessarily what we might think of as fourth year seminary. It's the guy who went, never went to seminary, but he does what's right because he understands mm-hmm. Jesus. It's the guy in your church who says, hey, I heard this. I don't know why it's wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's wrong. And he tells you and you're like, yeah, you just you smelt the error in it because there's maturity there. So I, I do think it's much more, the focus is much more of a, if you will, a practical, enduring obedience 
which comes upon what we just read about Jesus, right? Jesus learned obedience uh, through suffering. So I think it's that type of, can you, in the midst of suffering and even um, even some sort of seducement of the world, can you distinguish what's good and what's what's evil? Can you can you understand what it means to live as a Christian following Jesus, or are you still being pulled back into anti-gospel living? It, it says there that those who have been trained and their senses have been trained to distinguish those things. What are some ways we train um, people to be able to, to to do exactly what you're talking about, Josh? I mean, I think it is what we're doing, right? By by interpreting Scripture correctly and pointing to Jesus, by moving them away from uh, which he'll get to in the beginning of chapter three, moving them away from reliance upon self-righteousness. Uh, he calls them dead works. He gives us, I think, a couple of examples in verse two about ritual washings and laying out of hands. These are things that they should have already understood are, are dead works. These are Old Testament practices, or really uh, practices related to Judaism at the time. He's like, this is, this is not discernment if you're still trying to incorporate these things into the faith, right? So it's just helping people see Jesus, helping people see what it means to walk with Jesus, and, and in so doing, to move away from self-righteousness, self-confidence, into a greater faith in Him. Ephesians chapter 1 talks about our, the eyes of our hearts being enlightened to the, to the work that God is doing in us and what His blessings mean for us. And Ephesians chapter 3, like our hearts ever expanding so that we receive the love of Jesus and comprehend it so it works itself out in love and faith and forgiveness and all of these other things. So I think it's you're pointing people to Jesus. They're seeing how Jesus is better than these other alternatives. So they're moving towards faith and away from self-righteousness, away from dead works. I thought you were going to say they should go back and listen to our series on Proverbs, but you missed a they good opportunity They should also do there. that. I think that's <laughs> great. Yeah, that was step two. <laughs> step two. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's the more, uh, the less elementary, it's middle school. Uh, John, it says in verse one, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity. Uh, help the listeners understand what that means. He's not saying, obviously, renounce any of the doctrines that are about Jesus. Uh, he's saying something different. What, what's the author getting at? Yeah, so I think to, to borrow the, the Keller phrase, like the gospel is not the ABCs of the Christian life, it's the A to Z. So I, I don't, I, I do think, and obviously Chrysler and Clear has been very um, influenced by the gospel-centered movement, whatever that is, and whatever you want to define it as now. But to say, the gospel's for all of life. It's not just for conversion, but the gospel for all of life means that you're you're applying the gospel in ever deeper ways as you grow into Christ's life, as you're conformed into the image of Christ. So again, it's more practical, I think, than than just than just teaching about doctrine. It's about how you've how it's worked itself out in your life. Okay, so mm. um, going on to maturity is 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 how the how he's saying you need to get past just conversion into being conformed into the image of Christ so so yeah. are you are you becoming more like Jesus every day hmm. Josh um it says in verse 1 the, obviously there's a uh, exhortation to maturity and then verse 3 says and we will do this if God permits uh the kind of last question what responsibility does the disciple have in their own maturation process and how do you take mm -hmm. verse three um, as you're thinking through this command to move towards maturity? Yeah, I think he puts the responsibility on us to pursue these things. And then he also reminds us that all the work and effort we do is empowered by, led by the Spirit. Very similar to what Apostle Paul does when he says, 
to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But remember, it is God who works in you both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Or where Paul says, I work harder than everyone, but not me. It's the power, the spirit of Christ in me. It's the same type of thing. It's grace-empowered effort. Mm. And so he's saying, put effort into it, but recognize that even your effort comes uh, because God is the one who does it. So I, I think it's very consistent with Christian teaching. It's very consistent with other places in scripture where it's like, you are responsible to do this. Take this seriously, invest time, energy, and effort in this, but recognize ultimately it's God, God's the one who does it. And so one thing that should do is encourage us to pray that God gives us the grace, strength to do this and helps, helps it to be effective in our lives as we pursue greater maturity. And, and I think too, I think that's, I think that's perfectly said. And I think the, the other thing is you do have examples of this where uh, commands and prohibitions can be stated almost as indicatives. And I think that's, I think that's helpful. Like the 10 commandments could be read. You will not murder. You will not commit adultery. You will not mm-hmm. steal. Uh, and I think it's, so I think it's a, it's an understanding that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. And so that like, I know dad has talked to me at times about pastorally when you're preaching to the congregation on, you know, racism or being missions minded or whatever, that it's, it is, it is powerful to, to, to use indicative statements to say, we will be this kind of church. We will do these things. They're, they're aspirational, uh, but there's confidence that God's going to work by his spirit to make these happen. And so, and, and so the author of Hebrews does this, Paul does this in places where he's like, I'm convinced of better things for you brothers, um, that you're going, that the, you are going to persevere. You are going to stick this out. Um, and so I think, I think it's, I think it's a, a, a big source of encouragement. It's good stuff. Well, thank you for listening to the Christ and clear podcast. Next week, we will continue to go through chapter six, which is a, uh, a often written about uh, chapter. There's a lot of things to consider, but we'll look at the dangers of rejecting the cross and the full assurance we have in Christ. We hope you'll join us then. Thank you for listening to the Christ Center and Clear podcast. If you have questions, topics, or texts that you'd like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at podcast at ChristCenteredAndClear.com. And please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources that will help you see and share Jesus from all of Scripture.